Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi there. Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I'm a psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take back control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting or spending hours in the gym. So let me ask you something. Do you want to be fit and free? To change your relationship with food and exercise and feel great in your body without restrictions, doesn't that sound amazing? If that sounds like maybe an impossible dream, I have good news for you. It is possible. And today, my special guest, Nikki Sharp, is going to help you be fit and free. Nikki Sharp has dedicated her life to helping others live their healthiest and happiest life. She is a former international model turned health advocate, a two-times best-selling author, including the five-day real food detox and meal prep your way to weight loss, two amazing books. I have them right here. Yay. Um, And she's a transformational coach who helps people all over the world. And today she is bringing her expertise, her experience, and her wisdom to us. So welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much, Dr. Nina. As always, a, a pleasure to be here and talk with you. I am so glad you are here. So for those who don't know, please tell us a bit about your background and and how you came to do this work. Absolutely. So growing up, I actually never had any what one would think of food challenges. It wasn't until my college days when I started I just started dieting and I started dieting to an extreme level because I remember looking at a photo of myself on the beach and I'd done an exchange program out to LA for the year. And I just, I was modeling at the time and I looked at myself, the body dysmorphia kicked in and I'm sure you can relate just as everyone listening. And I saw myself in a completely different way than what was reality. And so from there, I went on a very restrictive diet, even though in my mind it was, I wasn't saying I'm being restrictive. It was like, I'm just going to do this. And so I ate, I didn't count calories at the time, but I was eating very, very little, a monotonous diet. And what I learned from that was I learned, I lost a lot of weight very quickly. I also got into swimming, into yoga at the time. I went back to Colorado after this year and I put back all the weight and I felt great. And so it was interesting that I felt really good. I mean, when I say good, I felt proud of myself that I had lost this weight and done the thing I set out to achieve. And then going back to Colorado where I was around friends and family and I gained the weight, I didn't even think about it. And so then I moved to Sydney, Australia and I modeled. And once again, the body dysmorphia kicked in, the modeling. And through that time, I once again started the restriction, only I did it in a little bit of a healthier way where I was at least eating nutrient-dense foods and I started learning more about nutrition. And what ended up happening was for the next many years, it was a constant cycle of binging, restricting. And I would, I was not getting the nutrients that I needed when I would binge, right? Because we never binge on the quote unquote healthy food. And so my body was literally starving for nutrients. And so then I would restrict and say, I'm only going to have a juice today. Well, your body gets hungry. You literally need food, energy. And so then I would binge again. And 
you know, that, that was a process for many years to uncover, identify, to say that something was wrong. And I remember, you know, a few years later, I told my doctor that I needed to go to an eating disorder clinic and, you know, some know the story, but in London at the time, it was a six month waiting list to see them. And I said, I don't have six months in the way that my mind is going because I was so fearful of my mind at that that time and I was feeling lonely. And so I really took it upon myself to learn the tools. And I it wasn't necessarily in a place where I was trying to go learn and heal overnight. It was just, I needed to find solace now. And so I started learning about CBT and I started doing more journaling, more meditation. And none of those are you know, the quick fix, the overnight cure, the, you do it once and, you know, forever this is gone. It was an evolution where I learned more. I started trying out different things. And really the catalyst for some of the biggest healing for me was when I started photographing my food and I would put it on my Instagram account. And it was a way for me to literally just keep myself accountable. And what I started noticing was that as I was taking photos of food, it looked really boring if I just had like a salad or a stir fry and there wasn't a lot of color. So I just naturally started putting like mint leaves or, you know, something orange, like a carrot. And with that, I started kind of learning and understanding this, the concept of count colors, not calories. And naturally I started to have more energy. I started to feel better. And so it was easier to then go through the deeper healing because I was giving my body the nutrients that, that I wanted. And so then I went, you know, throughout this journey years later, really understanding the the why behind everything that I was doing. And now, as you said, I'm an advocate to help, I mean, mostly women, but I know men deal with with food challenges as well. And and I remember a a nutritionist, she's a friend of mine, very famous in the UK, and she was being interviewed. And the interviewer had said, you know, in the UK, something like 7% of people have eating disorders. What's your take on this? And she stopped the interviewer and she said, no, that stat is wrong. Only 3%, and this was the UK, but only 3% have an actual diagnosed eating disorder, but 97% of people have some form of eating related issues. And so when I understood that, it really helped me to understand that we all struggle at some point with food, whether it's not eating the right thing, fear of certain food groups, whether it's you know trying to lose weight, but doing it in an unhealthy way. And so I really became an advocate to help other women because I wish that I had the tools that I know now. And just like you, Dr. Nina, that I feel like I had to go through what I did in order to be able to empathize and have compassion and help other people. So that's the long short of it. Well, and and that's beautiful. By the way, uh, I read a statistic also out of England that by the time the average woman is 45 years old, she will have tried 61 diets. Wow. Wow. I you know and it it doesn't it doesn't surprise me and when you say the word diet, I think you know what comes to mind immediately is like, "Oh, did you try the keto, the paleo, the this?" And when I hear that number, I really think it has more to do with did you restrict something that could be counted as a diet? Did you count calories that day? That's another diet. Did you, 
you know, change the way that you looked at food. That's another diet. And so it's not just these like big black, white terms of like, which specific diet did you do, but where were you controlling, restricting, or just having an unhealthy relationship with food? And your story really highlights how dieting or restricting leads to binging. That's why it's called the diet binge cycle. And of course, it's much more complicated than that. It's, you know, it's more than just restricting food, but our bodies get hungry and then we can't stop eating. And then if we have in our head, oh, I'm supposed to eat this, I'm not allowed to eat that, then now you're just restricting entire types of food, which of course we want what we cannot have. So it, it's a setup and and you're the process of of taking photos on Instagram and realizing, oh, I want this to look more aesthetic at, and how that led you to be healthier and to be more intentional with your eating. And I, I really appreciate how you talk about intentional eating rather than intuitive eating. Yes. Because intuitive eating, it sounds great and it's great if you can do it. But a lot of us don't know how to do that. We don't know how to eat in, intentionally or intuitively because we've been taught, no, eat this, but not that. That's bad. This is good. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm sure someone listening out there has heard, you know, clean your plate. There's starving kids in Africa, or you don't get dessert until you finish your plate. And so these little things go into the back of our mind and become subconscious beliefs and limiting beliefs and fears of, well, if I don't eat everything on my plate, somehow that's associated with me not being good. And, you know, when we think about all of these things of the nutrients that we need and like the funniest thing for me was, and I'm sure so many relate to this, I would restrict carbs, just the word carbs. I was like, nope, nope, off limit. And I think what we associate typically with carbs is, you know, white refined carbs like pasta and rice and things like that. Whereas for me, at least it was like, no, any sort of carbs off limits. And then what do I go and do? Well, I binge on all of the carbs that are actually worse for me rather than eating like the sweet potato. And so that's where the the counting colors really helped me because now I am eating things like sweet potato and quinoa and black beans. And as I'm also learning nutrition at the same time, I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I feel better when I'm eating black beans. Why is that? And I know some people get bloated, for example, let's just say a sweet potato. Well, that's because it has fiber in it and it has all of these vitamins and nutrients that your body needs. And so, you know, it's very hard to binge and overeat completely to the point, you know, where you feel so sick on a cooked sweet potato. Like there comes a point where you're like, okay, this is bland and I don't want it anymore. Or like dark chocolate. Whereas when we start to incorporate the sugar, the salt, the cream, the you know butter, the milk, that's where the body starts to want these things. And so that's why for me, and I know for my clients too, focusing on the colors naturally helps you to feel more energized, makes you feel better. You make better decisions because now what you're focusing on is what's on my plate versus what are the actual ingredients or the calories or the macros. And I I just wanted to say something on the the intuitive eating because you're spot on, Dr. Nina, that it is so hard to practice intuitive eating or to understand this concept because that's already essentially saying that you're in tune with your body. 
And how can you have intuitive eating if you're not in tune with your own hunger signals? And so that's where I really like the intentional eating a lot more of what's my intention going into this. And, and we can go into it, but a beautiful binge, something that I, I practiced for many years. And I, I just, I love the reframe of intentional eating versus the intuitive, because now it takes away like, wait, so I should know what I'm eating or I should, or I should know how I feel. And it's, the goal is to get to a place where you're in tune with your body. So things become intuitive. But in the meantime, I think that intentional eating and counting colors really, really helps. Absolutely. And now you have to tell us about the beautiful binge. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So during my eating disorder days, I, as I've mentioned, I would binge and restrict. And what I realized one day was, and I, I actually gave myself permission because I realized that starving myself of the thing that I wanted in that moment, it wasn't working. No matter how many times I said, I'm not going to binge today, it actually had the opposite effect. And so there was one day where I just said, what if I allowed myself to? And just that concept was so hard, but it's a very key concept when it comes to overcoming eating disorders or binge eating. And so in that moment, I got kind of still with myself and I'm like, all right, Nikki, you have full permission to binge. And it's almost like, you know, my parents were talking to me or that adult figure saying, you have full permission to binge, but what do you want? And so part of the beautiful binge is getting clear on one, allowing yourself to do it, which seems counterintuitive because we're like, well, I can't, I can't do that. But no, it's actually the restriction that makes us do the things that we don't like. And then the second part of it is to check in and really ask yourself like, what do I want right now? And if the answer is pizza or chocolate or you know whatever it might be, you say, okay, great. That's what I'm going to have versus saying, I'm not going to binge. I'm just going to go to the cupboard. I you know pull out the fruit roll up and then there's crackers and then there's this, and then that kind of tailspins. And so if you don't know the answer to what your binge is, just wait, just wait until the answer comes because the goal is not to have everything. It's to really tap in with that intention. And so for me in that moment, it was pizza. And I really, really wanted pizza. And I know we've we've talked about this before because it was filling and it fills me up with something that I don't have. And I went to a place that I, I really liked their pizza and I got three slices, like big New York style. I went home, I opened a bottle of wine, I poured a glass, I lit some candles, I put a, you know, a whole like placemat thing together in front of my TV. And I sat there with a knife and fork. I reheated the pizza. So it was nice and bubbly and warm. And I sat down and I put my favorite movie on and everything in that moment shifted because now I was able to kind of look at this food that I'd normally would binge on and say, oh, but I'm actually just eating dinner right now. And I was like, that's interesting. It's no longer a binge because it's dinner time and I'm just eating dinner. So that was another little shift that happened. And then from there, I was able the next morning, I didn't feel as guilty. And why is that? Because I had allowed myself to eat the thing that was normally off limits. And so with that allowance of it, your stress decreases, right? So we're in the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest. So I'm not getting as bloated because when we're in sympathetic nervous system, your body literally is pumping out cortisol. So then no wonder you're not digesting the food that you're binging on. So I woke up and I wasn't as full. I didn't feel as guilty. And another little shift happened where I was like, did I really binge last night or did I just 
overeat. And voila, it was like changing the language from there on out. I stopped calling it a binge. And I would say, I'm either just eating dinner, even if it was quote unquote bad and something that was like off limits. I'm like, nope, this was just dinner. And then I wouldn't call it a binge. I would say, I just overate tonight. And that was transformative in, in helping. But I really encourage people to try the beautiful binge, which is think about you going out to dinner, or let's say, you know, someone's coming over for a first date and you're cooking. Well, you would set the ambiance, you would set the atmosphere, you would do the nice lighting, the candles, only now you're doing it for yourself with the food that you're allowing yourself to eat and the guilt completely goes away. The guilt and the shame, and you yes. actually end up enjoying it more. Hence, it's it's a beautiful experience as yes. opposed to that I shouldn't be having this or telling yourself you you have no willpower, and then you have this dreadful, shame ridden, guilt ridden, awful experience that just leads to then feeling bad and feeling bad about yourself, which can lead to binging again. And it's right. a vicious, horrible cycle. So I love that concept. And I hope uh, people out there, if you're, when you're listening, try this, this really works. And actually this is so in line with some studies that were done maybe 20 years ago, people tried to uh, prove that food addiction was a real thing. And they gave, they, they, they told the, the people in the study, they said, okay, you need to eat all of your forbidden, quote unquote, bad foods. And the theory was, oh, these people are just going to start eating these bad foods and uh, they're not going to be able to stop because they're physiologically addicted to, to these foods. And of course, the opposite happened. Because like you with your beautiful binge, when they had permission to have it and they weren't feeling guilt and they weren't feeling shame and they weren't having like, but I better have it all now because I'll never be able to have it again. They could just have dinner or dessert or whatever it is. And they ended up disproving food addiction. So it, it, it really does work. It's amazing. You know, something you just said there actually really resonated of, I, I think anyone who is in the binge and restrict cycle, it it is exactly the thought of, I can never have this again. And so when we have that in our mind of, I can never have this again, so I might as well eat it all right now. Well, that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. For those of you listening, we know it doesn't work because then we go and binge on the same thing. And so that's why the beautiful binge works so well is because you're allowing yourself to have it. And like, do I want to sit there and eat pizza every single night? No, I don't. I feel bad when I do that versus when I don't allow myself to do that. It's like, or when I have the mindset, okay, this is the last time, then you're doing it night after night after night. And that's again, where that, that not intuitive, but intentional kind of nature comes where it's like, okay, I am going to have this again. And I actually had a client who she lost 60 pounds in four months. And she's like, I don't, how is this possible? And it was because she stopped restricting, restricting and the whole, I can't ever have this again. And so she was able to still eat foods that she loved, just reduce the sizes. And then as she felt better, she incorporated more nutrient dense foods into it. So it's, it's full cycle when you start to change just the small little you know mindset shifts and the languaging around it small but mighty small but mighty small but transformational because uh with the 
the prohibitions against eating certain foods and the moralization of foods, it's not, it, we don't just say, oh, I ate something bad. Oh, I was so bad. We, we say that, oh, I was so bad. Or no, I don't say it. You don't say it. But we hear people say it all the time. Oh, I was so bad. I ate pizza. I was so bad. I had chocolate. And now not only do you feel bad about just eating a food, but you feel bad about yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, as you said, they're small but transformative things that we're talking about. And the reason that I bring them up is because we tend to have the all or nothing mentality. And so instead of the all or nothing where I'm going on the diet today, or I've come off the diet, you know, screw the diet, we go into effort mode, then it, it, you know, then everything spirals and it's like, okay, well, I might as well eat everything because I've messed it up already. And so really what I'm inviting you to do as you listen to this conversation is it's the small changes that have the most transformative impact. And that is because we are taking away that it's either black or white. I'm inviting people to live in this gray area, which is hard because you have to learn what that gray area is for you. But when you do, if you start to swing off balance one or the other direction, it's so much easier to come back on quote unquote track versus, well, screw it. I'm going to go eat everything in the kitchen now. And it also has a ripple effect in other areas of your life, because if you have that all or nothing mentality, it, it isn't just limited to food, right? If you make a mistake, oh my God, I made a mistake. It's the end of the world. Shame on me versus, okay, in the middle between black and white is, okay, I made a mistake. How bad was this mistake? What can I learn from it? So it, it, it has so many implications in so many areas of your life other than with food. And of course, food also reflects so many areas of your life. A hundred percent. And that's you know something that I know to be true about myself was while I was controlling food and trying to be perfect, just as you said, it reflects other areas in my business and in my life and with everything. I was trying to be perfect in everything that I was doing. And so I was my own worst enemy when it came to my business. Here I am trying to grow a business, but I couldn't even put out a video. I couldn't put out a blog post because it wasn't good enough. It wasn't perfect. I could have done it better. And one of the key things for me with my business is I have dropped the, the word perfection and I will just do things as it is. And if I, you know, fluff or mess up, I'm like, okay, let's just keep rolling with it. Or if there's a technological challenge when I'm in the middle of a, a speaking gig or a podcast, I just keep rolling with it. And what I teach those who work with me is you just keep going. There's no like, let's stop and then start that again. It's all right. And the the quicker you can just keep going with it, it's like, oh, it didn't, didn't even bother. It wasn't, it was just a tiny blip versus it becoming this whole monstrous thing. And so I really appreciate that you're, you're saying that. It also makes you so much more relatable. Every, we all make mistakes. We all are, have, well, nobody's perfect because there is no perfect when it comes to people. I think the only perfection is in, I like to say geometry, like an isosceles <laughs> tri triangle that can be perfect. That's about it. But we're all perfectly imperfect. I was going to, that's exactly what I was about to say is that we are perfectly imperfect and there's no such thing as, as perfection. Like I even look back on 
videos that I did. I, I was just watching some videos from years and years ago on my YouTube channel. And I had, it was so cringy for me. And I'm like, Oh God, I don't, I don't want to watch this because I've grown so much. But in the moment when I published them, I was like, these were perfect. And so it's kind of taking away the notion of, well, we're always growing. We're always evolving. We're always going to learn something, try something different. And the more that you can let go of the perfectionism, let's say in business or your relationships, it does mirror your food. Or if you can let go of the perfectionism with food, it will mirror how you show up, i.e. you'll start seeing more results the less perfect you're trying to be. And it's like a conundrum for the mind because the mind thinks, well, I'm going to control everything, right? And if I control my relationship with my partner, everything's going to be good. And if I control how she or he acts towards me, we're going to be happy. And it's like, no, it's actually the opposite. The more we try to control, the the worse things get. So reflection, food to relationships, everything is a mirror of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much that we can't control. And sometimes when we don't, well, there's so much we don't control, right? Things happen. And getting more comfortable with uncertainty also helps us not be so controlling over food because the illusion is, oh, if I can control this part of my life, as you said, everything will fall into place. And that goes along with the diet industry's uh, you know, $60 billion sales job they've done on all of us, which is, hey, if you just lose weight, you will gain confidence. You will be, you will, you will have a better life. Uh, if you just control your weight, you control your life. And what a superpower that would be. You just lose weight and boom, your life changes. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. No. And it, well, and I was going to say it doesn't because it's, you're not dealing with any of the internal mindset shifts that are necessary in order to have lasting change. And I think that's where, you know, the diet industry, just as you said, this, you know, a British woman by 45 has tried 61 diets. Well, why is that? That's because we keep changing the action versus trying to understand what's the actual belief in our subconscious mind. And, you know, there's so many different ways that we could go. I also want to give a few different like tips and tools throughout the the episode, just because I know we're talking about things like you and I have overcome the challenges, but for someone who's in it right now, a lot of these concepts are like, right, but I'm not there. And I do want to control food. And so like, what do I do? And I, I, I would actually ask you, Dr. Nina, if someone's fallen off the quote unquote healthy eating wagon and they're going into all or nothing mentality, what are your like top three tips? Well, my first thing is what, what would you be thinking about what would be on your mind if you were not thinking about food, right? There's a reason that suddenly you're off the eating wagon, which by the way, don't be on the wagon in the first place, because that sounds an awful lot like a diet wagon. Um, but, but like, okay, if you're suddenly focused on your weight or what you're eating, why? Or if you're suddenly eating more, why? What is the distraction? And I see this a lot with people. They'll, they'll come in and all of a sudden it will be, oh, I was doing so well and now, and you know, they tell me about these terrible binges or the, 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 what, whatever they feel shame about. And, it, and I say, okay, if you weren't feeling this way about 
food, if you weren't focused on your body, what would be on your mind? And it's usually something like, well, I'd be really mad at my parents. I'd be, and you know, I'm talking about people who are in their forties. Like they, you can still be mad at your parents and feel bad. Or I'd be, I'd, I would be mad at my partner or I'd be really upset with my coworker, but they didn't mean to do the thing that, that they did. So, you know what, really, I'm actually mad at myself because I ate bagels. So that is the first thing, like, what is it that you, that this is doing for you because you're distracting yourself from something. And then what is so scary about facing the thing that's really bothering you? Because it's not what you're eating that is the real problem. It is what is eating at you. So then like, let's look at, well, what is it? What does it mean to be upset with your partner? Well, I can't have a fight with my partner. I'll get divorced. Really? Let's look at some of these ideas and beliefs, mistaken beliefs that you have about that and find new strategies of understanding that and a new way of thinking about it. So that's what I would would do is look at whatever's going on with food. It's a distraction from something else. I could not agree more on those and spot on because that's when I look back on my journey there was so much pain within myself that I I didn't even know was there because I was binging so often and restricting so often that I, I wasn't even allowing myself to get to that place. And then as I cleaned up my diet and started eating more nutrient-dense foods, it was, okay, so w- what's actually going on? And what I realized was I had a massive fear about business, about success. And I had a belief that, you know, if I'm not like mega, mega successful, then well, what am I doing with my life? And I think that we've also been taught that in in America of like, you know, work hard and get things done and make money. And so I think we all kind of have this fear of business and money and, you know, and prices are rising and there is fear associated with that. And even I notice, you know, there are times where I'll just like plow into work. And so now I can catch myself and be like, okay, Nikki, you're distracting yourself you're distracting yourself from wanting to deal with the things. And then when I start feeling that overwhelm, and that's always that invitation. Now that I've learned that when I start feeling that overwhelm, which feels icky inside of the body, I'm like, okay, so let's go to the couch. Let's take our journal. Let's go right down what's coming up. And what I find is there's a lot of anger that will come up and anger towards myself or others or business. And then really, because we know that anger is fear masked, it's really based on a fear. And then I'm able to just, as you said, like walk through and process. And so I love those tips. And those are things that I didn't know when I was going through my eating disorder days or challenges. And I think that those are so powerful to help someone understand. And I would say, I'm going to come from a little different perspective of if you've quote unquote fallen off the wagon and you're going into effort mentality, the first thing I tell someone is go back to eating what you would eat as normal the next morning. Like not this all or nothing because sure, let's say it's 7 p.m. and you've just binged. And then the thought is, well, I'm going to restrict. I'm going to restrict tomorrow. And I always say, go back to eating the oatmeal that you were going to have or the smoothie. You might not be hungry for it, but now you're giving your body the nutrients that it needs. I think warm lemon water or just water with lemon is such a palate cleanser as well. And it can just, it it's for me, it was such a good little shift when I was binging and I would have that. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't actually want this anymore. And something that really helped me as well during the binging days was that I would 
go to the store and I would buy all the things and I would always get coconut water and dried mango. And yes, dried mango does have quite a bit of sugar. It's still natural, but I knew that having all the chocolate and eating all of the things, if I actually had, you know, the, the dried mango, which for me was amazing. And then with that coconut water, well, there's nutrients in it and it's, it's changing my taste buds. So I would say find something that will help you get back on track, whether it's a mint tea right afterwards, a lemon water. And it's not saying, you know, I'm telling you to stop binging or, you know, whatever it is. It's just finding that one thing to add in to addition, whatever you've been eating. So now it's okay. Well, so I ate the thing, but just add in the lemon water, add in the mint tea, and you will see that things start to change. And then number two is obviously go back to eating normal, just as you were with you know, if you didn't quote unquote mess up, what would you have eaten for breakfast the next day? Or what would you eat for dinner? Go back to that and try to get yourself back on that quote unquote track as fast as possible. And then I would also, just as you you said, Dr. Nina, of take your journal, or maybe it's just you want to do it in your mind. I personally find journaling really, really helpful, but get outside. Don't sit inside and try to journal. Go get outside. Put your feet in the grass because the the earth actually grounds us. It has a a radio frequency that helps us to literally ground and de-stress the body. And the fresh air will help you because we tend to binge in private. And so just getting outside, getting that fresh air, getting sunlight, or maybe it's dusk, whatever, whatever time, that will help just shift the mindset getting that deep breath. And and I'll share another thing that I actually had, I did for a while, and it again, helped me with the binging was I said, all right, Nikki, you are allowed to eat anything that you want under two conditions. Number one, that you make it, that changes things a lot when you're starting to make it. And so I started learning all of these recipes and I'm like, okay, well, I want to do a raw vegan cheesecake because I don't like I don't like milk. So I don't want the full cheese. So, you know, just that in of itself and then the colors and making it pretty for the photo. But number two was that if I was going to binge, I had to walk to the store instead of getting in my car and driving to it. So by, and I I was fairly close to the store, but what I found more often than not was by the time I actually got to the store, just from walking, moving my body, the fresh air, and my mind is no longer just swirling. I would just turn around because I no longer wanted it. So that's another little tip that I would give people. Those are great tips. And I just held up the, I think the result of that is the five-day real food detox. I'm, I'm holding up that book because it is full of recipes that are so delicious, so nutritious, and we need to have nutrients in order to think. Back when I worked in an eating disorder treatment program, and uh, you know, I dealt with people who were struggling with anorexia. And if you don't feed your body, you don't feed your brain. And if you don't feed your brain, your mind cannot think. And it is, and you don't have to be struggling with anorexia to be affected by not eating or you know eating the wrong things. When you don't eat the the right things, you cannot think. You cannot journal. You cannot uh, effectively. Think about, well, why? What's eating at me? What's going on with me? Or or think about ways that you can respond to yourself differently. So feeding yourself the right nutritious foods is important for your body and your mind and your soul. Yes. And I would add to that that 
you know, so many Americans, and this is, it's so hard for me to see, but live off of McDonald's and, you know, in all these junk food places. And the challenge is that like, yes, I understand it is maybe cheaper in the short term, short term, because the long term, your health, your confidence, everything will, will, it'll take its toll. But the interesting part of that is that when we're eating those foods consistently, just as you were saying, Dr. Nina, the brain literally shuts off. It, it cannot function without the right nutrition. And so now we're seeing so many people with like false confidence about their bodies and thinking that they're doing okay and, and it, not in an eating disorder, right? They don't have disordered eating, but yet it's like, are you happy in your life? Are you genuinely fulfilled? Are you struggling in some way and masking it with a false sense of confidence. And what's so tricky is that when we're eating the wrong foods without all the nutrients, the brain literally stops functioning. And so just as you're saying, Dr. Nina, like this is why the five-day detox, the, the program that I wrote, it is so incredible because it's five days. And in five days, within day one, you start feeling tremendously better. And that's where all, your mind starts to just like let go of negative thoughts and thinking. And so, yes, people that do the program lose weight, they lose bloating, they lose inflammation. But I see that that is actually the byproduct of that you are starting to gain clarity. You're gaining brain function again. You're sleeping better. And so through all of these things, the tail end, the results, yes, become those other things instead of focusing on those as the primary thing. Exactly. So many of the people that I help who struggle with binge eating, yes, they want to often lose weight. Not everybody who struggles with binging wants to or has to lose weight, which is something that a lot of people don't realize, but they want to lose the preoccupation, the obsession. They don't, they don't want to wake up and think about being good that day and go to sleep counting calories and carbs and wondering if they're going to wake up having lost weight or gain weight. They want to lose the obsession. And what your program does is really frees people from all that makes you feel better in your body and in your mind. And speaking of feeling better in your body, let's just switch gears a little bit and talk about exercise. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, we have just as an unhealthy relationship with exercise as we do food. And I'm so glad that you brought up, it's not always about the weight loss. Anyone who has disordered eating or some sort of food challenge, it's not always about that, what we think it might be. It is absolutely the starting point of I'm sick and tired of thinking about food all the time. I'm sick of, you know, what can I eat? What can I eat? And so just even that awareness, but I invite people to think about your your relationship with exercise, because we have been taught, you know, exercise for a good body, exercise to lose weight, which essentially is saying that we're no longer exercising just because it makes us feel good. We're doing it in order to see a different result, which then insinuates that you don't like yourself as you are now. And so I invite people to think about exercise of, can you take it from being the punishment of, I ate too much food, I need to burn the calories, right? Even that phrase, I need to burn the calories, insinuates that the calories are bad for you. So I'm going to go burn the calories. I burn 200 calories at the gym. Like that's the languaging that we need to change with it. And I, I'm perfect example of this. I used to do hours at the gym, hours, and I was miserable. 
and I didn't have the body that I wanted. And now I exercise, I don't know, four, five days a week, 20 minutes. I do Pilates. Sometimes I, I mean, it's like a thousand degrees in Miami right now with a hundred percent humidity. So I, I don't run quite as often, but that's because my body doesn't need it. I've slowed down. And so the Pilates 20 minutes a day, five days a week has given me far greater results than I ever saw from hours in the gym. And I remember having just like I had with the beautiful binge, I had a moment where I'm like, what if I didn't exercise when I binged? What if I only exercised when I felt good? And what I've heard some clients say is, but I don't like exercising, so I couldn't do that. And what I will tell you is that's not true. That's BS. That's a belief that you've put in your mind because as kids, we all love to exercise. Go look at a little kid who's been stuck in a classroom. You open the doors during recess. They run outside. They can't wait to go to the playground. They can't wait to just run. And we have trained our minds to not like exercise, to sit at a desk, to go from a desk to a car, to a couch. And so think back to when you were a kid. What are the exercises or and don't even call it exercise. What were the type of things, the outdoor activities that you enjoyed doing? And that's I invite people to go back to to trying because it brings fun and playfulness and joy and that's really the name of the game. We're trying to bring joy into our life instead of removing all of these other things. And then that next level of if I binge, I'm not allowed to exercise. So for those people you know, who have an unhealthy relationship with food or exercise, that's a really good one. Now there's going to be other people that need to get themselves to exercise with the food. So it's finding kind of what works for you. But at the end of the day, the human body needs movement and we are stationary so often now, and we're eating the wrong foods that, you know, just to get out and have that movement, I have not met one single person that exercised. And even if it was 10 minutes and said, you know what? I really regret going outside for that walk. It's more of a, I get to do it rather than I have to do it. Just changing, changing the, I have to, to, I get to is really powerful. And, and it's also like exercise is what exercise is to you. A lot of people will say, well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I walked the dog, but that, that doesn't count. Really? Were you walking? Right. (laughs) Well, and it's almost like we'll walk a dog knowing the dog needs exercise, but then we won't think of it that we need to walk ourselves, which is so funny. But I, I was just thinking, I love that there's this emergence of pickleball. I Have you played Dr. Nina pickleball? I have not. I have yet. not either. I was going to say, I have not yet. It has become so popular because it's like tennis, only not, you know, you don't need to be quite as fit. But what I've seen is it's bringing joy into people's lives. And it's, it's joyful to hit this ball. Like pickleball is a great example that a lot of people are not quote unquote counting as exercise because it was just, it's fun. It's playtime. And and we have this unhealthy relationship again with exercise. Like if I walk the dog, that doesn't count as movement. So for me, I count, if I just went for a 10 minute walk that day and I had a really busy day, I'm like, heck yes, I just won. I got it. Like I got some steps and and I'm personally not a big fan of counting steps because again, it goes into the, what am I counting in my life? I like to just say, did I get out for 15 minutes and put on a podcast that was nice? Or did I move my body doing yoga for 10 minutes? If so, then I feel good. And actually speaking of, it's been a really busy day. And as we're talking, I wasn't going to go exercise or move my body. And now just this conversation, I'm like, 
Nikki, you, you can go do 10 minutes. You can do 10 minutes. And even that I'm like, yeah, of course, 10 minutes. That's easy. I'm just going to put on a podcast and I'll just flow on a mat or, you know, you put on a YouTube video, five minutes. It doesn't need to be again, exercise. We look at this all or nothing. Well, I don't have 60 minutes, so I'm not going to go to the gym today. And as I said, I do 20 minutes Pilates, like really, really low, low impact, but high intensity Pilates. Like I used to do high intensity things and jumping jacks and burpees. Uh, I mean, maybe <laughs> once in a while now, but like, like, I don't want to do a burpee. <laughs> like I'd so much rather like do a nice plank holders and, you know, just that shift. And because it's actually helped me soften up. And so as I've softened up with my control, my body is like, oh, thank you. And then I suddenly see all the results that I want. So that's just another way to, to look at exercise. You also do something, which is you listen to podcasts while you exercise. And that's something that also helps for some people. They say, well, I'm, I'm going to go listen to my podcast and walk while I do so, as opposed to, well, I'm going on a, I'm going on a tough walk and listening to my podcast. It's like, make the, 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 make it fun, make it enjoyable, make it something that is enriching you and that you get to do rather than some obligation. Always the, the moment that we put, I need to do this, I should do this. I shouldn't do that. You've already put an expectation on yourself and expectations always lead to disappointment and then resentment. And so taking away the needs and the shoulds to, I want to do this. And someone, you know, and and I'm a great example of this. I'm like, oh, I I have all these things to do on my to-do list. And I caught myself the other day and I'm like, Nikki, you don't have to do anything. You are choosing to do this because you own a business. You are choosing to own your own business. And just that in the, you know a moment where I'm like highly stressed out and I was like, ah, I started to go through my little like spiral and I'm like, take a deep breath. You are choosing to go to UPS to deliver the Amazon boxes because you chose to buy the Amazon packages in the first place. And then I'm like, oh, right. That was actually a choice that I made. So it's the same as like, can I go for a walk for 10 minutes? Or I like, I like to switch it up. I love creating playlists and, you know, Spotify comes out with great ones too. So some days I'm like, I just want to put on music and start walking. And I just, you know, I let my thoughts just like swirl and go. And then there's other times where I love to listen to audiobooks as I'm walking. And what's fun about it is that I have like, I have one audiobook I've been listening to for probably six months because I don't know, I listen to 15 minutes of it and then I come back to it when I come back to it. And then maybe I'll get in the car. And so it's just as you said, and we've talked about, it's incorporating more of this word joy into your life. How can I find more joy with the food that I'm eating? What does that mean for you? And you know that might mean something different for everyone. But like when you think about going out on a date, well, it's, it's joyful because there's candles or there's nice lighting or there's like really nice food that's presented to you. There's music. Okay, so how can I take that and replicate that? in my house for this joyful experience. Like I know if I ever order like sweet green or Uber eats, if I eat it out of the container that it was delivered in, I have less joy about my meal. So I have a non-negotiable rule with myself for myself, which is take it out, put it on a plate, make it look nice, take your you know knife and fork, sit at the table. Because even today I found myself in between calls, I had my sweet green salad, and I was standing over the kitchen counter where it was delivered. You know, I had it, 
And I found about halfway through, I, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm standing at the counter. How interesting. And right. Do you notice that I don't beat myself up? I'm just like, how interesting. Okay. Maybe I should take this and go sit down at the table. And so I share that, that notice I'm not perfect. I'm not this like perfect human being that I'm like, okay, I get the thing. I put in the thing. I go sit down. It's the awareness of catching myself. And, and like, I make jokes of it. And I like to say this, I make fun of, because what, you know, when we think about, oh, you're being made fun of, well, it's, it's kind of has this negative connotation. Whereas when, what's the word fun? Well, it's, again, joyful, it's light, it's playful. So to make fun of for me is to bring to light something that might be a little serious. And so I'm like, I make fun of that. I was standing at the kitchen sink eating and I'm like, Oh, right. Okay. Let, maybe let's go sit down. And so even the languaging has changed around it, but I really invite people to find and bring and cultivate more joy into everything that you're doing, because that's another one of those little hacks that it's small, but it will have a tremendous impact. Well, and that goes along with my one food rule, which is it has to be yummy. In other words, enjoy and joy what you're eating because if you eat things that you don't like, eventually your palate is going to want things that you do like. Yes. Yeah, and there, there you go. hundred percent. And that, you know, it's allowing yourself, again, the beautiful binge, allowing yourself to eat the thing, bringing in this joyful experience. I'm the same as like everything you're saying. There's nothing off limits because if I want something in this moment, I'm like, will this bring me joy right now? not do I want this out of a binge or a craving, but like, will I sit down with my plate, with my knife and fork, with my candles and slow the whole thing down and still enjoy this? I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Because we tend to not enjoy the things we're binging on because we've taken ourselves out of that presence and that slowness. So, you know, do you really want a bag full of potato chips that's put in a bowl and to go sit at the table and eat them, you know, one by one slowly with the napkin? It doesn't sound quite as joyful now, does it? So that's kind of just changing up the languaging and, and what you're doing as well, with which is, does this bring me joy to eat it? And also mitigating that shame. Yes. Just looking at, so, you know, we have just a little bit of time left. I'm I'm should have done this a while back, but if anyone wants a, to to call in and have a quick call with us, the number is 866-472-5792. Um we'd love to hear from you and uh, any question that you have, you know, no question is too small. 866-472-5792. I just thought I'd put it out there better late than never. <laughs> goes back to the whole thing of of letting go of perfection that it's like a little blip and and you know if someone calls beautiful and and if not then something to improve on next time that's all i love it absolutely now i have the number thank you jordan <laughs> engineer um all right so here's another question because a lot of people say i just can't lose weight i just can't lose weight i've tried everything i can't lose weight what do you say to people who can't lose weight? Yes. Oh, I, you know, first I, I will ask them, what are they, what are they trying to lose weight for? Are you losing weight because you're trying to 
you know, gain confidence? Are you trying to just feel better in your clothes? Are you, is it for your health? So understanding the why we've talked about this, the importance of the why. So why are you doing the thing that you're doing? And then I help, you know, go through the food to understand, okay, what, what are you eating? But actually I realized the food is, is later. I talk about stress levels and your sleep. If you can hack your sleep as like literally the number one priority, typically you'll feel better in the day. You'll have more energy and then you don't crave all those, you know, the carby, sugary things. So sleep number one, but two, then understanding your stress levels. I always ask people out of a 10, one to 10, 10 being like crazy high, where's your stress? And then I ask one to 10, where's your joy? There's always a direct correlation that stress is high and joy is low. And so I actually work with clients on that to improve the joy in their life while decreasing stress before we even get to the food. So I I would say looking at joy and stress and also your why behind it. Now the why, the why is everything. It's about like, you know, what is it that you really are hungry for? Are you really hungry for that? Big Mac or pizza or cake or whatever, or is there some other emotional hunger? Are or are you trying to wake yourself up or calm yourself down? And so often we use food for that purpose rather than our own language. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, going into the stress and joy, and I know we're we're coming to a close here. It's ask like the next level of that is what are you on a one to 10? And I would invite anyone who's listening to this to, you know, to find me on Instagram and just to share, what are you one out of 10? Like I, I love to chat with people, but then writing down, what are the things that are causing me stress and getting clear on those? Because once you understand those, it, it can become a little bit more manageable when you look at things and it's like, oh, well, you know, my boss is causing me stress. And it's like, what can you do about that situation? So we could go on for much, much longer on that, but I'll I'll wrap that piece of it up. Well, as always, Nikki, it is so wonderful to talk with you. And I, I also want to show your other book, Meal Prep Your Way to Weight Loss. Um, please tell us how people can find you and where they can get your, tell us your books, where all the things. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm Nikki Sharp, N-I-K-K-I-S-H-A-R-P everywhere. That's my website. That's Instagram. I love chatting to people. I love, you know, especially if, if you listen to this and you resonated with anything, drop me a message. I just, I love the community. I love talking to people, hearing your stories. At the end of the day, we all have fabulous and interesting stories and there's no story that isn't. So yeah, come, come say hi and tell me what you learned from this episode and you can get my books on my website. So NikkiSharp.com and Nikki Sharp on Instagram. And just in closing, we still have about 30 seconds. I want to, I want to say that, you know, Nikki, whatever, what, what's great about you and you sharing your story is that you have been there. You're not coming from a place of, you know, oh, I am an ex-international model and I'll tell you how to live your life. No, you're, you struggled. You've been through so much. You, you know, you know what it was like to, to struggle and you know, how people feel and you come from a place of knowledge and as well as compassion and empathy. And I think that's what really makes what you do so, so special and so resonant. So please everyone, if you don't already follow Nikki, follow her everywhere. She gives so much great value. And I want to 
thank you again for coming on the show. It was, as always, just a delight to have you. Thank you, Dr. Nina. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you.